Praise the Lord. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. Hi, praise the Lord. My name is Seth, and welcome to Scripture Unleashed. Today, I'm joined with my good friends, Joe. Hey. Anthony. Hello. And Jacob Gilbert. Praise the Lord. Scripture Unleashed is, if you have not been listening to our previous episodes, is a podcast where we go through the bread reading chart put out by the United Pentecostal Church Children's Ministries. Uh, and what we do is we discuss the scriptures that you will be reading uh, this, this coming up week. And this week, we are going through 2 Samuel chapters 1 through 21, and also Psalms chapters 58 through 61. Just a little side note here, just if your pastor teaches uh, on topics of conviction uh, differently than what you're going to hear from us today, uh, just remember that, that God has placed that apostolic pastor in your life uh, for a reason, and you need to obey him. But if you hear something that challenges you from the Word of God, please, by all means, obey the Word of God. It's for your good. But without any further ado, let's get into the Word of God today. And uh, you know what? We're going to have the fall in, in 2 Samuel here. We're going to have the fall of Saul's kingdom. And uh, Anthony, would you, would you start us off there today? Yeah, in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 23, we just want to highlight the scripture there. Howbeit he refused to turn aside, wherefore Abner, with the hinder end of the spear, smote him under the fifth rib, and the spear came out behind him, and he fell down there and died in the same place. And it came to pass that as many as came to the place where Azahel fell down and died, stood still. This is, well, the Bible calls it a very sore battle, mm-hmm. um, where they're by the pool of Gibeon, and we have Abner, which is actually Saul's cousin, and Ishbosheth's general, um, Ishbosheth being Saul's son, he definitely relied on Abner, but here we have, basically, there's three brothers of Zariah at this battle. There's Joab, there's Abishai, if you want to say it that way. I do. Abishai. And Azahel. Abishai. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so Abishai. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's very introverted. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Abishai and Azahel. Well, Azahel... The Bible records it was light of foot. He was wild as a row. It seemed like he was quite the fast sprinter. Mm-hmm. And so he finds himself chasing after Abner in this battle. And Abner actually doesn't want to slay um, Azahel. He actually tries to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Azahel just won't, won't go away. He just keeps following him and, and pestering him, I guess, chasing him down. So Abner decides he has no choice but to slay Azahel, and he does. And this actually kind of causes of a chain reaction. Joab, the brother of Azahel, by law, he then must avenge his brother's blood. Mm-hmm. And so so we kind of start reading that where Azahel falls and he, he dies. And this kind of leads into uh, the next, next segment, which is basically it goes down to Second Samuel three and twenty seven. This is kind of a cross chapter situation here. Abner goes back to his kingdom. <coughs> Ishbosheth is, you know, at the time just a little insecure with his kingdom. 
and he charges Abner with sleeping with one of his father's concubines, uh, which would basically be a ploy on the, like trying to take the crown kind of thing. Same thing that we see Absalom do later. Abner comes comes back from uh, battle or whatever, and he finds Ishbosheth accusing him of certain acts of adultery, fornication. Um, and this creates a dissension between the two. Abner, of course, being his chief general, this is not a good thing for Ishbosheth. Mm-hmm. And then Second Samuel 3.27, when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate, speak with him quietly, and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died wow. with the blood of Adel, his brother. So he kind of ambushes Abner when he returns to Hebron. And this positions Ishbosheth to fail, ultimately losing to David and Judah. And of course, the house of Saul was growing weaker and weaker and mm-hmm. weaker at that point. So there really wasn't too much left there. So when once Abner was uh, slain, Ishbosheth really didn't have the power that his family, of course, was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And then Second Samuel three thirty seven for all the people. And all Israel understood that day that it was not of the king to slay Abner, the son of Ner. And basically what that verse is saying is that the the people of Israel still had a respect for David. And they realized that it wasn't David trying to take the kingdom, but but in fact, it was just kind of the law of reaping and sowing, I guess. It was just, Hmm. it just happened to fall on Ishbosheth and and the house of Saul and that they just kind of petered out. And then we, we have in Second Samuel 5, verse 3, so all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. And so Israel came to the conclusion that, you know, Ishbosheth is gone, David is the anointed king, well, let's go ahead and anoint David over all of Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's, there's really a whole lot of interweaving through all of these verses. Um, yes. I know like before, so Abner, after the dissension in Israel, after Ishbosheth tells, you know, uh, accuses Abner of this <coughs> lewd act, he, he basically, you know, yells at him, you know, am I a dog, which against Judah do slew kindness, this or chew kindness this day of the house of Saul, thy father to his brethren and to his friends and have not delivered thee into the hand of David. Basically, like, have I not done all of this good and that you're going to charge me concerning this woman? And after this, he basically just, he leaves. He says, I'm going to go to David. He goes over to David, as you had mentioned, and basically makes a league with David saying, I'm going to bring the kingdom of Israel to you. And then he leaves and he goes to talk to the elders of Israel about making David king. And during all of this, then Joab with his army comes back and finds them, hears that David had let Abner go free. And so then Joab actually sends a messenger to him to make him come to Hebron. That's where we see there in chapter three, verse 27. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, then Joab, you know, stabs him through. But Abner had already kind of spoken to the elders of Israel about uh, allowing David to be the true king. Right. And then in between here, right, right after, you know, David mourns for Abner, he actually 
uh, fast the entire day. And, and I don't remember if he wears sackcloth or not, but he, he mourns for Abner throughout this entire day. Mm-hmm. And that's where the people realize, okay, it wasn't the king who had like privately told Joab to go and kill him. <coughs> and then shortly right. after this, two men come into Ishbosheth's bedroom and kill him. Yeah. They take off his head and bring it to David, expecting to, you know, receive some kind of reward because they slayed David's enemy. Right. And boy, we're there in for a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, David, David, (laughs) you know, David killed the, the, uh, Amorite that had killed Saul in the last book that we read. And so it's like, you know, David basically tells them, you know, he says second Samuel verse or chapter four verses nine and down. And David answered Rehab and Bana, his brothers, his brother, the sons of Ramon, the Barite, and said unto them, as the Lord liveth, who hath redeemed my soul out of all adversity. When one told me saying, behold, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good tidings. I took hold of him and slew him in Ziklag, who thought that I would have done him a reward for his tidings. How much more when wicked men have slain a righteous person in his own in his own house upon his bed. Shall I not therefore now require his blood of your hands and take you away from the earth? So it's interesting that even though Ishbosheth was was David's enemy, as it were, um, for the kingdom sure. of Israel, he still counted Ishbosheth as a righteous man. Right. Yes. You know, he, he David was super ethical. He was. He was oh he was a great example. Oh, he was he was a great example of a what a pastor should be. You know, we talk, That's good. we talk about pastoral ethic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, pastors shouldn't take uh, another church's saints away from them in pastoral ethics. If, if a, which we have two pastors here and an assistant pastor. So you guys should all know this. You know, if somebody from another church starts coming to your church, you have an ethic responsibility to contact their pastor and make sure that it is okay with him that they are there. You know, obviously, if they're just visiting or whatever, but if, like, they moved up here for something, you have a moral obligation to talk to them. Right. To talk to their pastor. Right. And this is the same thing that we see, basically, with David here. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. David has such great ethics. That really stood out to me um, in chapter 4, you know, verses 9 through 11, because it's very interesting because uh, Ishbosheth was an opponent of David, but he was the son of Saul. And David was very, yes, ethical about that was the king. And David, even though God had prophesied that he was going to, you know, give the kingdom to David, David was very, you know, he, he certainly didn't try to usurp authority. It was just, it was handed to him. The kingdom was handed to him. But, you know, David was, I mean, he certainly fought battles and all that, but he, he, he never tried to uh, infringe on uh, Saul or, you know, in, in this case, now, mm-hmm. Ishbosheth. Yeah, that really stood out to me because, um, you know, when the, again, when these uh, two men came and they, they thought they were doing, you know, they thought they were going to get a reward here. <laughs> and David, and David's yeah, just like, yeah. no, like, no, this is, you know, this is not right. And, uh, and he had them killed. They slew them, cut off their hands and feet and hang them up 
over to the pole in in uh, Hebron. Um, so yeah, you know, it's uh, David was very ethical. I think that's good though because you have to realize that just human. because somebody is yeah yeah he's still a human right. yeah even though you know guys David was he was a great example of a leader. Um, David did have his flaws. And, uh, you know, Joe, why don't you, <laughs> why don't you, uh, give us the dirt here on David? Go ahead. Yeah, I suppose you're probably talking about second Samuel chapter 11, probably the greatest mistake that David made. Mm-hmm. This is a really, when I read this story, I mean, I, I don't like this story. I think it's a terrible story no. yeah. because yeah, you're right, Seth. We just talked about the great ethic that David had, but we definitely see some flaws here in David. And let's just take a look at this, how this started. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabath, or Rabah, Rabbah, but David's tarried still at Jerusalem. And so this was the time of the year when all kings usually went to battle. Mm-hmm. But David, for some reason, hangs back. Uh, he just sends his servant, Joab, and his servants with him. It came to pass in an evening, tide, that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And so you can kind of just see this. You know, number one, David kind of sets himself up here. This is just kind of the start, you know, staying staying back and from, mm-hmm. from going to battle. That was not, you know, that wasn't sin. Going up on the roof, that wasn't sin. But now David sees this woman washing herself. And so you kind of see this progression. It reminded me of that scripture in James chapter 1, verse 15. It says, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when mm-hmm. it is finished, bringeth forth death. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so let's take a look at this. David, he sees this woman. She's very beautiful. And, you know, maybe you could say this is where the lust started. David inquired after this woman. You know, he, he, he wants to know about her. And basically the message comes back. She's married uh, to Uriah. And David, even though she's married to Uriah, sends, sends for her and brings her. Uh, has her brought to his uh, uh, to his house. I won't go into all the details there, but <laughs> but basically she uh, became pregnant, and and of course she's she's married to another man. And after um, and and this man, her husband, is in battle right now, and David sends for this man. To jo- remember, Joab is off in battle, but David sends a message to Joab and says, hey, bring this Uriah uh, back. And, and he does. And, and, and the reason that, that David did this is because this woman is pregnant with his baby and he wants Uriah to come back and sleep with his wife so David's sin wouldn't find him out. So no one would know this baby mm. is his. And you see the loyalty of Uriah in this chapter is so great that he's like, my fellows are, are, are in battle right now. He said, I am not, uh, I'm not even, I'm not going to sleep. You know, I'm not going to go to my house. He, he refused mm-hmm. to go to his house. He slept at the door of the king's house 
and went not down to his house. And David told him, come on, you know, you came from a, from a journey. Uh, why don't you go down to your house? And, uh, and Uriah said unto David, the ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my Lord Joab and my servants of the Lord are in camp in the open fields. Shall I go down into mine own house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And, and so David's sin just keeps progressing. It keeps getting worse. And I think we could digress on, uh, and, and, you know, you guys can certainly jump in any time here. But, you know, this is just, this shows the, I guess, the, uh, maybe the nature of how uh, humans operate. David committed a grave sin here. He kind of set himself up for for failure um, mm-hmm. here by you know by inquiring mm-hmm. after uh, this woman. He fed into the lust. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He absolutely yeah. did. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. There's things we can't help that we see. You know, we live in a world that um, you know is not perfect, and people certainly aren't perfect. And so maybe we, True. you know, as men, we uh, we see something that you know, like with David here. Or women too that triggered them, and mm-hmm. you know at that point you just have to walk away and and uh, you know just pray about it and just get over that. Um, yeah. But the moment that you start feeding into that, you know, you're just giving you're just giving more and more room to the devil here. And right. when you get on this, you just kind of get on this um, slip and slide, where it's just kind of a downhill race from here. Um, and, and that's how it was with David, because after he tried to cover up his sin with having Uri sleep with Bathsheba, so no one would know, or that, so Uri wouldn't know, David now sends Uri back to battle, and he wrote a letter to Joab and sent this letter by the hand of Uri. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Uri, yeah. I mean, this is, this is, if you think about this, this is a terrible, terrible thing. You know, I like King David. This story here is really messed up. It's really messed up. <laughs> it, it makes me not like him, kind of. Yeah, you have to really think about how much did David trust Uriah not to open the letter mm-hmm. that he sent his own death orders in, you know? Right. It and shows what kind of man Uriah was. Yeah. Yeah. And so, of course, um, Uriah comes, gets back to Joab, and uh, David wrote in that letter to put him in the hottest battle, in the forefront of the hottest battle, and so mm-hmm. that, that he dies, and, and he did die. And, you know, of course, he was he got killed. One thing I kind of <laughs> want to point out in verse 4, uh, chapter 11, verse 4, uh, when it talks about, And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from, from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. The book, when I was reading the part that really jumped out to me was for she was purified from her uncleanness. Now, most likely this uncleanness and actually the Jewish study Bible that I that I kind of dug into when I was looking at this um, is referring to her time of the month. It was against uh, Jewish law to lay with a woman during that time of the month. And so David, while sinning through adultery, made sure that she was, quote unquote, clean. You know, he he wasn't going to make himself unclean, you know, according to the law, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the idea that popped out to my head is whether or not we think a sin is clean 
it's still sin. Right. (laughs) And this also, of course, would have meant that she wasn't pregnant with Uriah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's, yeah, sin needs to be exceedingly sinful. You know, it doesn't need to be. Well, this was exceedingly (laughs) sinful. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, we need to uh, observe it as such and not, you know, somehow sugarcoat it or. Right, make it appear better to ourselves. It, it just needs yeah. to be what it is, which is a thing that'll keep us from God and keep us obviously from heaven. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like uh, people are living with their girlfriend and are like slamming homosexuality, like it's sin, and um, you know these people need to be put mm-hmm. to death. And um, like, yeah, absolutely, homosexuality is definitely sin, and uh, and it's an abomination. You know, it is. It's an abomination for a man to lie with a man. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's unnatural. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an abomination. But you know what else is sinful and, and is uh, fornication and any kind yes. of sexual uh, immorality is sin. You know, there's forgiveness for that sin. People um, can be restored and be made whole. But, you know, it's just like, well, you know, one sin greater than another. Or, in, mm-hmm. you know, in, in some aspects, maybe... Uh, you know, to uh, society, absolutely. There's some things that are, you know, like telling a lie is not quite as, you know, it doesn't seem as bad as like murdering someone or, or as harmful. In our minds. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's harmful. But at the end of the day, you know, all this stuff is sin that'll send us to hell. I say another thing that I noticed in this um, story, right? Uriah's killed. Joab sends a messenger, and he tells the messenger, there's there's two parts to this. He tells the messenger um, to tell David about this battle that Uriah has been killed in, um, how they came close to the wall, and the archers came out and shot him. And, and Joab warns the messenger, he says, now David might get mad, you know, the king might get mad. Uh, and if he does, just tell him that Uriah has died. And it's interesting that, for one thing, and I think this is smart on the on the behalf of the messenger is when he's telling the account to David, he immediately, he doesn't wait to say that Uriah died. He adds it right into his narrative just so that David doesn't get mad. But then the sad thing is, is that David was pleased that Uriah had died, even at the expense of his innocent soldiers. It doesn't say how many people died, but you can guarantee that there was hmm. there was more than just Uriah that died. It's you know it says right. that several died. So he wasn't yeah. he wasn't mad that those other men died at the cost of his own his own sin. Right. You know, it's right. just it's staggering. You know, of course, Bathsheba gets word that her that her husband died, and she mourned for her husband. And then Second mm-hmm. Samuel chapter eleven verse twenty seven. I think this is, you know, this is kind of where uh, it says when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So now God's mad at David. Yeah. Well, we see this. You know, obviously in the next chapter we have we have Nathan confronting David. But one thing that's interesting is that in in Nathan's speaking with David at this point, he mentions that uh, specifically that God was mad, even though it was in Jewish law that a a rapist, uh, excuse the expression, but a, a rapist 
was required to marry the person that they raped in order that that person's, which we'll, we kind of see later with Absalom when we talk about him uh, yeah. and his sister. But the, the person that they raped, it was, it was by law that they were supposed to marry them. Otherwise, that person would be left destitute. So, you know, in David's eyes, what he does here is good. But in, in the midst of Nathan's talking to him, um, he shows that God is actually mad. That's part of the thing that God was mad at. In verse 10 of chapter 12, now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me. That's in the, you know, in the uh, adultery and all that. And has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. That was part of the reason God was mad. Mm -hmm, was because he had done this. And then, you know, as consequence to all this, um, another innocent dies. Right. Um, the, The child that was to be born between them becomes sick and dies. And I know, Joe, you had mentioned something about, you know, David's attitude at this point, though. Right, right. Well, if I get back a little bit yeah, uh, from that, you know, the, the way Nathan the prophet approaches David, is he tells mm-hmm. him a parable about two men, uh, one rich, one poor. And he tells him, you know, uh, a parable of the uh, of of a lamb how one man had a lot, one man had little, and how this one man, you know, takes the other, the one man that had a lot to hook up the other man's one lamb killed him mm-hmm. for a meal. Uh, and the Bible says, David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that has that hath done this thing shall surely die. David yeah. proclaimed his own death there yeah he he said the man that did this is gonna die Mm -hmm. and then you look at verse seven nathan you know points his finger puts his finger in david's face and he says you're the man david you did this Mm -hmm. and 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 he just you know just lays it out there um and nathan also tells him that what you did uh what you did in secret I'm going to do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. And, you know, it's going to be, and we see later that that right. happens uh, with Absalom. But, yeah. but David proclaimed, he prophesied his own death. And yet David did not die, but absolutely his, his, his son died. Well, his son became sick. And... Yeah. David, uh, you know, went into fasting and and praying. Um, And then what I thought was interesting is when the child was finally dead, David's servants came and they told him that the child died. Uh, The the Bible says that they feared to tell David. They're like, when he was, you know, when the kid was still alive, you know, it was in bad shape. But now, like, what's he going to do if we tell him? That the child is yeah. dead. And this is David. David just got up, anointed himself, changed his apparel, came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. And then his servants, they're like, you know what? What's the deal? And he's and this is this yeah. is David's response in verse 22. While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he's dead, 
Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, David was absolutely correct. You know, he had yeah. he had sin. And as the consequence of this, you know, he his his innocent little baby died. And after he died, David was like, you know what? It was worth a shot with God. Who knows? You know, I, who knew whether God would change his mind and, and this baby would live. But he's dead mm-hmm. now. He's not going to come back. But I'm going to go to him. Um, yeah. And David's like, you know, it's time to. This is kind of in my mind. David's like, you know what? He's not going to come back to me. But if I want to see him, you know, I got to walk. Uh, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to live for God. Uh, and I, cause I'm going to go see him. And so David mm-hmm. kind of had a, you know, kind of had a good attitude here. Um, you know, now that the child died, like, well, yeah, time to, time to get up and move on now. Right. And, you know, if you look in yeah. Psalm 51, that would be the corresponding Psalm. Right. To, to yeah. the story. Right. <clears throat> Just the title itself says to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, when Nathan, the prophet came with him after he had gone into Bathsheba. If you read Psalm 51, David has a plea. Uh, you know, he cries out for forgiveness, right? Like, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's begging for the mercy of God. He wants to be clean from what he, he's done, you know, and then, he, and then he, he talks about having a broken and a contrite heart right at the end of Psalm 51 there. And, and uh, yeah, you know, and that's what God wants. Right. And, yeah. uh, and that's what David has. At, that point. <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the story, you know, obviously it didn't work out for good, but God was able to take this mess of a life, you know, this mess David had created. And he eventually did use it for good mm-hmm. with, uh, with Solomon being born. Right. And becoming the heir to the throne, right, and uh, and just mightily bless yeah. the nation of Israel. But any anybody else there on David and his sin? Before we go to our break here, well, I kind of want to point out and add to that what you just talked about how Solomon being born. Um, it's interesting to note in verse twenty four and twenty five of Second Samuel twelve, and David comforted Bathsheba his wife and went on to her and lay with her, and she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. So that he, that first he in verse twenty five there is actually God. So you could read it, you know, as and God sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah. God called Solomon Jedidiah, not Solomon, mm-hmm. uh, at the time of his birth, and that means loved of God. Uh, is what Jedediah means. But it's interesting to notice Solomon is never called Jedediah again. This is the only time that he's ever called mm-hmm. Jedediah in Scripture. Hmm. Because later on, he was hated of God. He no. was an idiot. He was He <laughs> was an interesting person, but that's coming up. That's not this week. All right. Well, let's go to a break here. Thank you for sticking with us uh, this far, listener. We'll be right back after a short break. Welcome back, listener. So glad you stayed with us through the break. Uh, we're, this session, this segment, whatever the word is, you know what I mean. Uh, this segment of Scripture Unleashed, we're going to get into Second uh, Samuel um, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 
you can keep going. It's actually quite long, but it's the story of Absalom. And I am, I am charged with the responsibility to kind of give maybe an overview, but there's several lessons we can learn from the story of Absalom. But uh, it kind of starts, uh, it seems like, in 2 Samuel 13 with a, a young man by the name of, uh, I guess we assume he's, he's pretty young, Amnon. Amnon. He was one of the sons of David, and he had a sister. Now, I believe uh, she's a half-sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the Bible says that, that Amnon, he really liked her. And uh, just, I mean, he it says he was vexed. He felt sick. You know, if you read Second Samuel thirteen two, and he wanted to uh, to be with her. And uh, this was uh, he could have been if he had gone about it the right way. He could have been, but he had a friend, and uh, that's is very important. There's a little lesson right there. Always be very cautious who your quote unquote friends are. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, his friend gives him a plan of how to, to be with his sister and, uh, you know, with, with Tamar. You know, anyway, so he, they, they, he fulfills his plan. You can read about it in 2 Samuel 13. And uh, he, he forces her and he basically, he rapes his sister, uh, his half-sister. And, uh, you know, she, she tells him, hey, you know, we could just be married. You know, this is, you know, you don't have to do this. But no, he forces her, as the Bible says. And, Anyway, so he disgraces her. This was a huge disgrace to a mm-hmm. woman uh, under the Jewish law. Uh, Amnon, finally, you know, after the, the deed, he kicks her out, bars the door. and uh, He has a brother named Absalom. And Absalom here talks to Tamar, and he, he finds out what Amnon did. And so Absalom uh, comes up with an idea of how to, uh, to do away with Amnon. And uh, because of this, he, you know, he was going to purge this wickedness out of Israel. You know, maybe he, you know, Absalom really did, it seems like, started off with uh, uh, kind of the right intentions. You know, he, he had the right uh, concepts. Maybe he obviously, he was kind of usurping his, his power a little bit because he wasn't the king. He wasn't David. David should have been taking care of this issue, but uh, David mm-hmm. did not. Uh, and you kind of find that as a reoccurring theme throughout uh, the story of Absalom. Absalom, you know, he anyways, he throws a party, basically. He uh, does away with with Amnon. And, uh, you know, they, they, they come and they tell David. David knew what was going on in his own home. But David, David is an interesting person. Uh, his parenting style was very interesting. Uh, his, his just his concepts of, of his children were really interesting. <laughs> But David, he, you know, the, after Absalom has uh, Amnon killed, the, the news comes to David. David, like, cries over this. And then all the other brothers that had flee uh, or fled from that party, they, they run away from that kind of that celebration, that party, whatever it is, after Amnon's killed. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and they all get together and they have this big cry fest. You know, <laughs> and David should have been, it seems like he should have been like, you know, all right, you know, justice was served. But he he doesn't, and um, Absalom, anyways, you know he he escapes to uh, Jeshur, and uh, he was there for for three years. But you know the Bible says at the end of Second uh, Samuel thirteen that the soul of David longed to go forth unto Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. You know David was you know David knew justice was served again, but uh, and he wanted to go see uh, Absalom, but you know. 
why didn't David just take care of this himself? You know, this, mm-hmm. this is one of the questions oh, that mm-hmm. brings to mind. Go ahead, Jacob. It, it's thought that, you know, it doesn't, obviously, Scripture doesn't give us really any hints other than the fact that Amnon is David's firstborn. So it could have been that he gave him a lot of leeway because of that, um, kind of favored him, you know, because he was supposed to be the next in line on the sure. throne, uh, according to tradition. So that's one idea as to why he didn't, um, you know, really put him to death or or do anything else, <laughs> you know, that you would have expected him to do, considering that he, you know, not only raped his sister, but raped David's daughter. You know, right. so I mean, sure. yeah, you think you think you would have done something? Yeah, yeah, you know. And then you know, let's keep moving on. Second Samuel fourteen. Uh, you know, there's a man. This story is quite intricate. Lots of characters that come into play here. Joab, mm-hmm. uh, Joab comes into play. You know, he has this woman come to David, and she, you know, if you can read, you can read it there in Second Samuel fourteen. You know, he, he she, she lays out this whole story for David, you know, and basically it turns into uh, they're asking that Absalom can come back to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to David's house, basically. And uh, David, David, <laughs> and while she's telling him the story, David's like, uh-huh. So where did you get this story from? You know, she's like, well, it's, you know, it's Joab, basically, you know, like, you can <laughs> spare me here. It's It's really funny if you read it, but. Um, and Absalom, so David, you know, he relents and Absalom does get to come back. Uh, Absalom, it kind of explains, uh, if you read in second Samuel 14, verse 23, 24, 25, 26, very interesting about Absalom. Uh, Absalom was like, I mean, he must've been a man just like me, just, just tall, good looking. The only difference is he had lots of hair and I, I don't have a lot. <laughs> And uh, I'm just kidding, guys. There was that was that was a joke. That wasn't pride. I'm I'm fat and I'm not good looking. So, um, but you know he he had lots of hair and uh, and and he was uh, very. The, the Bible says that you know every year he would he uh, he would what they say pulled and that all that simply mm-hmm. means is he cut his hair every mm-hmm. year and he did it because it was heavy <laughs> and it, yeah he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels. After the king's weight, two hundred shekels of air. Now, Jacob, how much? How many uh, pounds is is that equivalent to? Uh, well, I think it's about five pounds. Amazing! That's incredible. So they weighed his hair, and it was about mm. about five pounds. That's amazing. This dude had some some real vitamin uh, efficiency, not deficiency for sure, going on. You know, but it explains Absalom's. Uh, you know, his his he had. Uh, Three sons, one daughter. He named her Tamar, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But so Absalom, he, the Bible says he dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, and he saw not the king's face. You know, and he sends for Joab. Joab was kind of a right-hand man uh, to David. And, uh, and he sends for Joab. He says, hey, Joab, you know, come visit me. Doesn't happen. Finally sets his fields on fire. Joab comes and sees him. Amazing. And uh, it's kind of like, hey, hey, you want to come visit me? Uh, can I get your attention? Can I get your attention? You know, <laughs> he just burns his field down. I think that would get my attention. But Absalom, <laughs> he is such a a uh, deceiver. If you read in Second Samuel fifteen, we're just kind of going through chapter by chapter here. But Absalom, he uh, he, he begins to deceive the people of uh, of Israel. 
he has this uh, really a fake what would be the word he has a fake care for people like he, he fakes caring it's flattery he's a fake flattery flattery yeah, yeah. you know he's mm-hmm. like uh for second time 15 4 oh that i were made a judge in the land that every man which have any suit or cause might come unto me and i would do him justice you know and you're just like dude whatever you know but the people believed him and they they come to mm-hmm. him and and they uh the bible says in in second time 15 6 that absalom stole the hearts of the men of israel it, it's easy it seems like when, you know, people want a leader, you know, even I want a leader. We still have men we look up to. We have heroes that we desire to be like. And Israel is no different. And uh, in Absalom, he, he was, the Bible says he was good looking, had lots of hair. I mean, he was, he was the man, right? <laughs> the Bible says there was no blemish. And so he looked good. He looked the part. He sounded the part. And people liked that. And so they begin to believe Absalom. And the only problem with that is sin Usually it looks very enticing. Absalom, yeah. he, he deceives David, the Bible says. And, but basically, there's this, this uh, there's an, oh, oh, uh, what would be the word, a coup? Is that the right word, a coup? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Absalom mm-hmm. pushes David out, basically, and David leaves. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're, <clears throat> David and his whole entourage, they're leaving. And Absalom is kind of taking over as king. Uh, David is pushed out. And, uh, and there's just a lot of interesting things that happen. David, uh, you know, as he's leaving, as he's fleeing with his, his whole group of people, uh, the several interesting little tidbits you get through that story. You have uh, one of his servants, even though he was a foreigner, you know, I think it's Itai, Itaias, Itaias, Itai, his loyalty, you know, as the, the premier Study Bible, it's a little title, says his loyalty to David. And if you read that, it's very interesting. David said, hey, you know, you're a stranger. And Itai says, you know what, you know, I'm going to be with you, you know, either in death or in life. So some interesting things mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. One of the characters, as, you, as we're going along here with David, as he's kind of fleeing, uh, is uh, somebody named Ziba. If that's, Jacob, am I saying that right? Ziba. I pronounce it Ziba. 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 There's yeah. kind of a, a rivalry there between him and uh, Mephibosheth. Do you want to, Jacob, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we have to go all the way back to chapter 9 to really see the beginning of this. Saul is dead. David is now king, and he tries to send for somebody of Saul's household to show kindness to them um, as he promised Jonathan that he would, and he even promises Saul that he would. And so he finds Mephibosheth, uh, which is one of Jonathan's sons, and he brings him to his house and basically sets him up to sit at his table and to eat with him. Long story short, but he also gives all of Saul's possessions, everything that Saul had to Mephibosheth. And that included Ziba and his family and all of his servants, because Ziba was servant to Saul. It it, it almost seems innocuous here. You don't really see this feud start to happen, but you see it in the next uh, portions of scriptures that we'll look at. That was the end of Second Samuel 10. But then you go to Second Samuel 16 and the, verse, the first four verses. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled and upon them 200 loaves of bread and 100 bunches of raisins and 100 and blah, 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 all this stuff. And the king said unto Ziba. What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for thy king's household to ride on, and the bread and the summer fruit for the young men to eat. 
and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And David asks, he says, where is thy master's son? Where is Mephibosheth? And Ziba says unto him, behold, he abideth at Jerusalem. For he said, today shall the house of Israel uh, restore me the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Ziba, behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight. So what happens here is Ziba tells David that that Mephibosheth stayed behind, said, I'm going to get the kingdom back to me, even though Absalom's the one that's trying to take over. David awards Ziba all the land, all the property that, that he gave to Mephibosheth. Says, Behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. He's giving all of that to him. We then see in chapter 19, jumping again, I didn't really notice all of this until really this this reading through, this time that I read through here. But chapter 19, verses 24 through 30, if you look up verse 17, and there were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba the servant of the house of Saul. He was came back with him. This is David returning back from exile. Um, Absalom being killed at this point, coming back in. Down in verse 24, Mephibosheth, it says, And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day that he came again in peace. And it came to pass, when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest wentest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me, for my servant said, I will saddle me and ask, uh, for thy servant said, this Mephibosheth said, I will saddle me and ask that I may ride thereon and go to the king because thy servant is lame. So Mephibosheth can't walk, as as you learn in chapter uh, 10. And he hath slandered thy servant unto my lord the king, but my lord the king is an angel of God, do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of, the, all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that eat at thy own table. What right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said, Thou in Ziba divide the land. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, uh, Yea, let him take all. For as much as my lord the king is come again in peace unto his own house. So this this rivalry is kind of underplayed throughout this entire time of Absalom's, uh, or throughout David's reign, really. You know, Ziba had control of the land, and then Mephibosheth comes, and he gets all the land. And then, you know, uh, Ziba flees with David, and then David says, all right, you get all the land. And then now at the end here, David's like, all right, now I'll just split the land. And Mephibosheth's just like, just let him have it. Like, I'm just done. It's really intricate how all of this stuff is playing out. And, and uh, you really don't notice it uh, at first glance unless, you know, you you really like read that and you stop and really dig into it. Yeah. In chapter nine, verse 10, it actually says Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants himself. Mm hmm. So he 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 wanted some land to divide. Yeah, he was trying to rend all that away. If we could say mm-hmm. it like that, from Mephibosheth here. As we continue <laughs> in Second Samuel, David he's being cursed by uh, Shimei as he's leaving, and uh, <laughs> and I mean he just he just up and down with, with the curses and throwing rocks and 
You know, David mm-hmm. could have just, I mean, he could have just had this guy killed so fast, but he didn't. It's a, that's an interesting story in and of itself because we read once David has the kingdom restored, his dying wish is that uh, somebody would, you know, when they come back into uh, Jerusalem, they, they, you know, they, he spares Shimei because he, he, he kind of comes out and he just begs and pleads with David. But again, mm-hmm. jumping into the story, but when David's dying, he's like, just remember, he's telling these people, just remember Shimei. Yeah, you know, tells us Solomon. What he said, you know, and uh, yeah, kind of some interesting stuff there. So I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, some some things took place. So kind of jumps back to uh, Absalom, sort of Absalom. There was a man named Ahithophel, gave counsel to to Absalom, and uh, he he tells him, you know, this is what we need to do. We need to we need to pursue uh, David, and we need to uh, we need you know Absalom. You need to spread a tent in front of everybody in Israel and going into David's concubines. Uh, your dad's, you know, your dad's concubines. And, and basically, you know, this is, uh, you know, so everybody knows, you know, that you're, that you're hated of your dad. Uh, then, then shall the hands of all, the Bible says in verse 21 of Second Samuel 16, the hands of all that are with thee be strong. And so they did this, you know, this, this is just gross. But anyways, you know, you move on and hit the fellow. Mm-hmm. He's going to pursue David, 2 Samuel 17. And then you have another one. He, that's his counsel. He's like, we should, we should pursue David. Then you have one that's uh, Hushai's. He, he counsels Absalom. And, and he, he gives this whole, uh, this whole spiel of what they should do. And, uh, you know, Absalom, he, he, he prefers uh, Hushai's plan. And this is, uh, this is an interesting thing because, because really, uh, it seems like uh, Ahithophel was used more often to give true counsel or good counsel. And mm-hmm. Absalom decides to go with Hushai's plan. And that is the beginning of the end of Absalom. Uh, right after this, Ahithophel, uh, he, he goes, he hangs himself. He realizes, you know, I don't, I, his, my counsel wasn't followed. He goes home and he, and he kills himself. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he probably would have been killed by David anyways, you know, when David came back, maybe, you know, but. He goes home, just ends it all. Uh, but then David and his forces, they, they prepare to fight against Absalom and his men. And David's guys win the battle. And Absalom flees from the battle. You know, and David had said, if you read in 2 Samuel 18, I believe it's verse 5, you know, the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai saying, deal gently for my sake, for my sake, with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. All the people heard this. David said, hey, take it easy when we catch Absalom. Take it easy on him. Yet, uh, mm-hmm. the Bible speaks of how that uh, Absalom, he's fleeing, and his beautiful hair, his five pounds of hair that we talked about, uh, gets <laughs> caught in a tree. Mm-hmm. And Absalom... You know, it says his is if you read 18 verse 9, Absalom met the servants of David and Absalom rode upon a mule. And the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak and his head caught hold of the oak and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth. He was caught. He was hanging by his hair. That must have hurt. And the mule yeah. that was under him went away, you know, and then Joab comes or this old guy or you know this 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 uh, why do i imagine an old guy comes and tells joab hey absalom's hanging uh by his hair in this oak tree and he's like why didn't you kill him i would have given you money i would have given you you know 
some some cool stuff here. And the man says, you know, the, the king said not to. Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against my own life. For there is no matter hid from the king. Thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. Then said Joab, I'm, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts. That, that's his dealing with this guy. He took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bare Joab's armor compassed him, compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. This is the end of Absalom. Well, after that, they take his body, they, they go throw it in a pit, and they, they bury it under a pile of rocks because that's a great dishonorable way to, you know, to take down somebody that, that rebelled. But, you know, it's, there's, there's several lessons you can get from the story of Absalom. And obviously, we just gave it a brief overview, but just several things. Pride comes into play. Uh, you know, pride is never good. Uh, deception is never good, uh, which mm. Absalom tries to do. You know, he deceives the people. He goes against the anointed of God, which is never a good thing, because that is not going to work out for you, especially in the end, right, to go against the anointed of God. Uh, you mean, several, several lessons we can learn here. Um, and then obviously so many things are mended. Um, Mephibosheth, you know, he, David finds out that he was faithful. David does come back into Jerusalem and the victory. The only thing and some interesting things here, guys, again, David is such an interesting person after his son who, who basically kicked him out of Jerusalem, who wanted to destroy David, who wanted to kill David mm-hmm. uh, after he finds out his son is killed. David mourned. Yeah. I mean, I guess in a sense, like, you know, this is your son, this is your flesh and blood. Yeah, you know, you'd be sad. But this is the man who chased you out of your home, who who uh, slept with your concubines, who basically, you know, just destroyed your image in front of all of Israel. And now you cry for him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Joab comes in here and Joab begins right hand man to David. He says, yo, David, what is the deal? You know, you, you basically, you know, you're 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 doing a disservice. It seems like if you're reading Second Samuel 19, am I, am I reading this right? You're doing a disservice to Israel by crying for Absalom. And, uh, you know, the people are seeing this, you know, Israel basically, hey, David, we want you to be king again. Just some interesting things going on there in that story. Uh, we're getting to the end of our reading for this week. You know, we, we ended in chapter 21, uh, but we are going to talk about probably pick up on some of that. Uh, next week. All right, listener. Well, we thank you for your audience this week. We appreciate you tuning in to Scripture Unleashed with us. Uh, again, we'll be getting into more of Second Samuel next week. Uh, this week we did uh, just not have enough time, and and just uh, but in the Psalms we wanted to get to the Psalms. We love the Psalms, but we were not able to get to those this week. But did we not cover something today uh, that that jumped out to you? We'd love to hear about it. I mean, there's so much out of second mm-hmm. Samuel. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, do you have any advice on the podcast? Any words of encouragement? Let us know. Feel free to let us know. You can do that by sending us a voice message through anchor.fm or through our scripture unleashed Facebook page. Go there, like us, share us all that good stuff. Um, hope you enjoyed again. We do hope you enjoyed this week's podcast and this week's episode. We look forward to having you with us next week as we go through second Samuel 22. 24, Mark chapters 1 through 14, and uh, Psalm 62 through 64. I'm looking forward to uh, Mark 1 through 14, some exciting stuff there. But Psalm 62 through 64. And until then, we hope you have a great week, and God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. 
thank you for listening. This has been Scripture Unleashed.